Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast, the podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development, keen to increase their knowledge and skills. And welcome to this special edition of Business Women Australia podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, joining me on today's show is Lynn Hawkins. Now, she's one of the directors of Business Women Australia and Kristen Turnbull, who's the director of Core Data Group. And they're here to discuss the findings of the inaugural Business Women Australia National Survey, which was a collaboration between Business Women Australia and Core Data Group. The online survey was conducted between the 10th and the 31st of July, 2017, and was able to tap into the collective voice of female business leaders. In fact, 551 businesswomen across all sectors, states and professions, including business owners, executives, senior management and women on boards participated in the survey. So welcome to both of you, Kristen and Lynn. Thank you. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Let's start with you, Lynn. From Business Women Australia's point of view, why did you do this research? We really felt that as we were starting to connect with women across each of the states and uh, that were coming and participating in our business workshops and our success circles and events, we were really recognising that there were lots of different opinions about what women need to get ahead and you know how women need to be supported. And we thought, well, it would be really important to actually get the data and to have it done in a way that it could be set up as an annual research that can then track how things are changing as as we are able to then respond to the data and to the research and get a true voice of what women across each of the states and professions and sectors are really thinking and really experiencing. So we're moving away from you know our opinions and our personal experiences in small groups to really actually getting a much broader collective voice of business women. So Kristen, just dive in. If you're looking at the results then of this survey, what were some of the things you noticed around the key opportunities for female leaders this financial year? The biggest opportunity we identified was around achieving business growth. So this was cited by nearly half of the women. Uh, and I think, you know, this consistent with other areas of the research, what came through is that this was a, a greater focus, I guess, for, for business owners. So business owners saw, you know, opportunities around improving their bottom line through increasing profitability and increasing revenue, whereas we found that employees tended to see greater opportunity in improving workplace processes and efficiency. What about some of the key challenges that the service they showed that they were now facing. So we looked at both the macro challenges people face. So those are, I guess, your more big picture challenges that affect the broader operating environment. And then we also looked at the challenges women face on a day-to-day -day basis, which might be more focused around the individual and their mm -hmm. role. 
Um, so in terms of the day-to-day, -day, we found that leaders are really grappling with uh, increasing revenue and profit and achieving work-life balance, which I think we can probably all relate to. Whereas uh, from a macro perspective, the biggest challenge really was achieving business growth. So interestingly, that was cited as, as both a key opportunity, but also a key challenge, mm. uh, particularly for business owners. Lynn, let's uh, focus then on flexibility. How important is flexibility in the workplace around increasing female participation? Well, one of the interesting things that was in the data is the number of women that are leaving the workforce to actually set up businesses of their own. And I think that a part of that is a response to the fact that their employers are still really grappling with how to create a flexible workplace. I think it's absolutely vital, not just for women, but for men, because flexibility brings about choice. It brings about the opportunity to better share domestic and, and paid work goals and it gives people opportunities for balancing better balancing you know what their responsibilities or their dreams and ambitions might be outside work in conjunction with still advancing what their work goals might be so in today's environment there's absolutely no reason why employers can't have a flexible workplace it does mean you need to have an element of trust that you're not measuring people's performance based on the amount of time they're spending in the office mm -hmm. uh, and that they're being rewarded and measured against their outcomes and their performance in achieving what it is that they're actually being tasked to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, um, you know, there's a lot of debate and a lot of discussion around this. And I think we all recognise this is the answer to actually supporting the choices that both men and women are wanting to make in their lives and without it actually, you know, having a detrimental effect on their careers. It's great to have this data where people have contributed. We can really see what's uh, at the coalface of what people want to be addressed. How can we better support them? And of course, I know moving forward, Business Women Australia is certainly going to, to provide resources and further information to be able to support, you know, the challenges that we need to now address to enable us in this instance to have more flexible workplaces uh, and to help organisations adopt some more of those programs. Kristen, let's talk about women in part-time work. How are women in part-time work feeling about their roles? Part-timers are feeling a little bit stuck between a rock and a hard place, to be honest. They've made this personal choice to work part-time hours. For some of them, it's because they've returned to the workforce after having kids and um, have decided that that's what, what works best for them and their family. Um, you know, lots of reasons why people have chosen to, to work part-time. But what we're finding is that the majority of them, so around four in five, are actually working more hours than they're paid for on a weekly basis, with a lot of those actually working more hours regularly. So, mm. you know, they've opted for this part-time role, but they're actually suffering financially and I would say probably mentally as well from that decision because they're then having to juggle the challenges that come with essentially being asked to, to work what is, you know, in many cases a full-time role in fewer hours. It's an interesting one too. Employers need to ask themselves when's the last time they actually promoted one of their part-timers. Um, I was actually um, chatting to a CEO of a large organisation at a conference recently and he said it was quite scandalous that they recently promoted someone on maternity leave. And I found that to be a really amazing thing to have done. It's very rare to hear of, of part-timers getting an opportunity to be in those leadership roles mm -hmm. and for the part-timers actually getting those promotions that they shouldn't be missing out on just because they're part-time. And, you know, interesting that you said, Kristen, that many of them felt that they were working far more 
more hours than what they were being paid for. Do you think that that's because the expectations placed on them far exceed the amount of time that's been allotted? So, it, so in other words, they have to work longer hours to get everything done? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, what was interesting that came through was that there was a, a reasonable proportion of women who felt that it wasn't possible to do a senior role in part-time hours. Now, as someone who has done a senior role in part-time hours, I would strongly beg to differ. I think that it absolutely is possible. But to make that possible, you really need to have a supportive workplace and a supportive employer that, as to Lynn's point earlier, really understands the benefits of providing that flexibility. So mm. I think if we're going to move into an environment where people do get more balanced when they opt to work less hours and they are able to, you know, manage their duties within the role that they're doing in a um, more effective way, then it needs to be, you know, those boundaries and those barriers between the employer and the person doing that role really around days off for days off and things can continue to, as long as you've got those support networks around you within the business and people that you trust that you can delegate to, um, you know, we should be out of move to a situation where we can be more supportive of, of women to actually manage those responsibilities within those timeframes. Mm. I got some feedback once from a, a senior leader uh, and she had certain part-time hours and it was interesting that some of her team and her management above her booked times where she was just leaving and oh you're leaving are you almost making her feel that she shouldn't leave and you know that kind of thing those biases in the workplace really need to be looked at. And Absolutely and I think mm. only in my, my minority of women in our survey felt that working part-time meant part-time commitment but I feel like that's a broader perception that is held in the workplace by by staff and some some employers as well that mm -hmm. oh you're only here part-time you're not really committed to to what we're doing and where we're going and I think that needs to change as yeah, well. Absolutely. You well do you balance that with the motivations that this research has, has drawn out. Mm -hmm. um, Kristen I, I found it fascinating that the majority of the respondents were stating that they had non-financial motivations for working. That, that really then sort of might and perhaps part-time females who are actually putting on themselves these extra pressures of working longer hours because they are really trying to make a difference. They're really, um, you know, they're very much driven by helping others, by contributing, by building something that's bigger and lasting. And I think that those are the motivations that tend to drive a lot of women. If they're not as financially motivated, then they're not going to be thinking, well, I've been paid this amount, so I've done that work mm -hmm. I've done that work this week and it'll just have to push off onto next week or I'll have to get someone else to pick this up it's just not the way a lot of women are wired up so uh, I found that quite fascinating, you know, that mm -hmm. um, that part of the study. And something you mentioned, Kristen, around support networks. Let's talk a little bit about that, particularly what support networks women and leadership are leveraging. Any any feedback on that? Yeah, look, not surprisingly, family and friends were, were the most common go-to. So um, we found that a lot of women were turning to friends and family um, for support. Uh, but they're also commonly turning to peers in their industry as well as uh, business networking and support groups. So both general groups, but also groups like Business Women Australia as well that are specifically focused on, on women. So one of the interesting things we found was business owners or the self-employed were more likely to be using networking and support groups. Mm. And I think that's probably partly related to the sort of microcosm that they're in and the frame of reference in that, you know, it's an opportunity to, to bounce ideas off other people and I guess create some of that uh, community around what's often quite a lonely journey as a, as a business owner. So mm. being able to almost have a sense check that what you're doing, you know, is in line with perhaps 
what, what your peers are doing as well. What's uh, really interesting, uh, Lynn, and I'd love for you to share, here Business Women Australia, they are creating a support network for women in business and also women who are working in a, in a corporation, in an organisation. It's interesting that the environment in which uh, they're now meeting is really providing support, even though one is working for themselves and, and, and another often for, for someone else. Share a little bit more about the outcomes and the successes you've seen of what's happening in those support networks. Well, that's right, Amory. I think that's what we identified as the gap in the market was actually creating high-level opportunity for business leaders who are female across sectors and across mm. professions to really mix it up. You know, there's a lot of industry and profession-specific female networking groups, and we re recognise that the collaboration and the partnerships and the strategic alliances that are very much focused on business development and goal achievement come from mixing it up outside your industry and outside your Profession. So we love seeing the sorts of creative pursuits that women uh, leaders across different sectors and across mm -hmm. different professions, uh, whether they're entrepreneurs or they might be professional lawyers, accountants, business advisors, financial brokers, whatever, working together and actually collaborating and creating a new model of mm. business growth and that's what I love seeing. I've seen it a lot in uh, male networking and male collaborations and um, that's what I'm loving most about actually bringing that type of thinking and creating the opportunities for women across those business sectors to actually do that and provide that nurturing environment for them. That's It's brilliant. And it's great to see that the, uh, the survey has reflected that women are now reaching out, really starting to, to attend and collaborate with others, you know, through these support networks. So let's talk about female leaders being optimistic about the future. Kristen, if you will, the results, are they optimistic about the future and, and what's in their plans moving forward? Absolutely. Overwhelmingly, yes, they, they are optimistic. Um, we actually found that nearly half were feeling very optimistic. So we looked at optimism in terms of the outlook for their business uh, in the new financial year. So whether they're a business owner or an employee, uh, how they were feeling about the future. And I think uh, in terms of what was actually driving that optimism, it sort of ranged from people talking about their personal growth paths or the support they had around them in their role through to sort of perceived shifts in economic conditions or more favourable business conditions. Uh, and also, you know, just having innovation in their business that was sort of responding to evolving customer needs. So whether that's new products and services that was making them quite excited about what the future holds. So mm -hmm. it was really only a very small minority that weren't feeling optimistic and for them they sort of cited things like regulation and red tape you know mismanagement within the business or perhaps they were suffering from conditions in business conditions in their industry but mm -hmm. um, overwhelmingly people were feeling really positive which was great. Lynn let's speak about what can we do to better support female leaders? Uh, well, certainly one thing that jumped out at me is that we need to be raising women's awareness and love of the financial aspects of productivity and getting paid for the value that we bring. I think that's one mm. thing we've really got to overcome. It is important to work for something you believe and to have your values drive what it is that you do. And I think that that's always going to be the case with, with the majority of women. But I really want female leaders to actually start putting the financial aspects of their lives and their planning uh, for the future as a key goal. Uh, and a part of us supporting that will be educating women about what they need to be doing from a financial literacy point of view in terms of being able to budget at home, budget at work, 
uh, have financial goals, thinking about their retirement plans. I know that sounds sometimes crazy when you're talking to a young entrepreneur, but it's really important for women to be actually looking after their super and to be actually managing their career or their business objectives as an entrepreneur through financial fundamentals. So impact education is something that we need to be doing to support female leaders. The networks of influence, I think, is really important. And I'd really like all listeners to think about how you can support females in their endeavours, you know, by opening up your networks to women, sharing your contacts, making introductions that really are going to be valuable to them, whether or not they're an ambitious career executive or whether or not they're an entrepreneur with a business. So that's really important is giving them networks of influence because that's where business happens and that's how business grows. Uh, surrounding women with role models. You know, what I'd love to see is those female leaders stepping up and being role models for other business women and the emerging leaders, actually sharing their stories, being generous in their spirit of being supportive to others and making strategic and insightful time. You know, not so many coffee meetings, ladies, but let's get an agenda and crack open an opportunity or guide a planning process over that 20 minutes together. I love the formal mentor programs that are popping up and I think that people are starting to recognise that the power of sponsoring an individual is really important. You know, putting their name forward for that big project or that board role or that C-level uh, opportunity where you've seen, you know, an amazing female coming through the ranks and is probably ready uh, to take up and pushing them to do it, saying, making sure they're not going to look at the 10% of things that they might not be able to tick off on that selection criteria, but making them realise that they really can do it. They just need to step up and um, get into that role and have a crack at it. Hmm. Um, I think the other thing that has come out of this in how we can better support female leaders is that we can share some of our resources with those females that are actually um, looking to step up, whether or not it might be maybe an invitation to a special event that we can't use ourselves, pass that on. You might have an empty desk or a workspace that a growing business might be able to use, you know, get them out of their lounge rooms, out of their home offices and into, you know, sort of a work environment where they're getting that stimulation and support. You might be able to give them a head up about a reporter that's looking for someone to interview or a speaking gig that you could put their name forward. So, you know, there's there's ways that you can really um, help women in practical ways, raise their profile, get them out there, help them step up and be seen and noticed so that they're actually going to be getting the opportunities that they so are ready to get. The research um, also did concern me that women aren't asking for that pay rise, which I think is reflective too, that they're often not asking for the board role that they want or the new job that they've been looking for. You know, I really think that women have to themselves also arm themselves with that confidence to actually risk asking and I think if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm -hmm. And if you find out why you don't get something, then you know what you need to invest in and what to work on to be ready for the next level up. You hit the nail on the head there, Lynn, I think, with the confidence piece. I know that I was uh, I was reading a transcript of a speech that Charlie Gunningham, who's the ex-CEO of Business News, gave to some MBA graduates at UWA recently. And the gist of his advice to them was go jump off a ledge. And what he was really saying is, you know, take those opportunities as they arise. You don't want to look back and have those regrets. And I think part of that confidence piece is, you know, how can we support more women to jump off a ledge and take those risks and go for those board roles and go for those senior roles and not think, you know, the fact that I only want to work part-time is, is going to hold me back or perhaps I, I'm not good enough or whatever it might be. Um, so helping them have 
I guess empowering them to have that confidence to go for those roles I think is going to be really important in changing that representation of women on boards and, and, and getting more people into senior positions. Lynn, something Absolutely. else that I once heard too and love for either of you to speak into this is that sometimes women, they will be working very, very hard as they, as they do and they then will think to themselves, well, someone will notice and I'll be asked to sit on a board or I'll be asked to position myself for that uh, you know, pay rise or for that promotion. We're not going to be asked. We need to, to be there and to put our um, name in the hat, so to speak, and not sit back and hope that someone will notice the work that we are doing is, is having an impact. Who wants to speak a little bit more to that? Well, that's very true, you know, and, um, you know, if we think about it ourselves, who have you noticed that should be on a board? I mean, the thing is, we're all so busy. No one's really noticing anyone. We're all busy. And unless you really identify what it is you want to do, and, you know, we've got these board-ready workshops coming up both on the East Coast and on the West Coast. And one of the things that we've said to women is a part of thinking about you know, where you want to be is thinking about where your skills are best matched and what you're passionate about so that you can actually start lobbying and breaking down who are the groups and who are the individuals that you need to get to know so that they're aware that you're interested. And you might need to be doing that at least one or two years even before mm -hmm. a board role becomes available or that's right for you. But once word gets out that, you know, you've got passion and you've got skills that are relevant to this particular board or this particular area of business, it won't be long before you get that tap on the shoulder, but you have to put your hand up, otherwise people won't know you even exist. Mm -hmm. Kristen, have you uh, seen that? Have you, you want to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I'd agree that definitely to a certain extent part of the problem is that we're not asking. So, you know, we found in the research that around a third of women feel like they're underpaid for the role they do, mm. yet we found uh, nearly one in five have never asked for a pay rise in their whole career, which is quite astounding. So I think there is a question there to be asked, you know, is that contributing to the gender pay gap? Are men just better at asking for, for more money than women um, to a certain extent? So, you know, what can we do to actually encourage people to, to speak up for, for that value that they're adding? But I think also to Lynn's point, you know, sometimes we don't know where to start or where to look to get those board roles. So mm -hmm. helping each other to actually by, you know, whether it's just saying to someone, hey, I've heard about this role and I think you'd be great for it or taking a more structured approach with, with programs. And I know that BWAs run um, some similar sort of board ready programs which are, are great to kind of help women who are looking uh, for those roles but don't really know how to get there so I think it's got to be a combination of that confidence piece and and speaking up and you know asking if you feel like you're underpaid and, and kind of arguing your case but also providing that greater support to actually help women know where to go and, and what to do to get there. Lynn, Kristen said something gender equality gap that is the conversation that you know we continue to have whose responsibility is it to address the gender equality gap? I think we all share the responsibility to address it, but I do understand that, that it's the leadership levels, the C-suite and the boards that need to be supporting the initiatives and putting in place the programs and policies that make it supportive for women and for diversity generally to be supported uh, in organisations and on the boards. The other thing is that I think that each one of us in our work environment needs to stop the stereotypes and the discrimination that might occur 
uh, we need to call it out and we need to stand up for for things that aren't right you know and and to bring education to to the table too where quite often you know a policy might be in place that discriminates against women but not in an overt way mm-hmm. uh, it might be that it was never designed to be discriminatory but that things have changed and life options have changed and it just it needs to be brought to the table and changed mm-hmm. and I think that when we see things that we don't like or we hear things or we hear statements we need to call them out and we need to say to people do you realize that that's actually not supportive that it actually isn't encouraging these other you know options that these young guys and men and women in in the organization that are looking for uh, support in whatever choices they're they're wanting to make and while still being true to the you know the vision and the mission of the organization I think that we all really got to um, be aware of the stereotypes and and the unconscious bias that's going on. I heard someone once say and I can't recall who it was that inaction really does condone that behavior so in other words what you've said Lynn is so true if we see something in our workplace that is unfair and it really does strengthen that gap we need to stand up we need to walk alongside stand alongside that other person and say hey you know what this is just not right we need to do something I think it's inaction and it's also you know I think sometimes there's a bit of underhanded stuff that can go on you know there were some stories shared by women in the survey who some of those who had actually set up their own business you know they'd done so because they'd worked in an unsupportive environment and they'd returned to the workforce um, and perhaps been offered a role that their employer really knew that they wouldn't be able to do post having children so they almost effectively felt like they were pushed pushed out of the workforce so it wasn't uh, explicit but it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit underhanded so I think those kind of practices are really not on as well. So summing up, for those of you who want to find out more and get your hands on a copy of that report or even connect with Kristen and Lynn to further discuss the findings, then please just go to www.businesswomenaustralia.com.au. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au. Kristen, before we leave, any last uh, words you want to impart? Just reiterating that message really of uh, women, you know, working together to increase confidence and empower each other and um, make sure that we're doing everything we can to to close that uh, gender gap. Yeah, fantastic. And Lynn from Business Women Australia as the director, uh, what last uh, insights would you like to share with people today? Well, I think that certainly goes to show that women are really finding their voice and are being honest and sharing what's been going on with them. And it's from here that we're really able to work out how best to support women going forward and how we can support each other. Fantastic. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Hi, it's Anne-Marie. Have you enjoyed listening to the show and have thought about creating your own podcast so you too can become an influential voice in your industry, but you just don't know where to start? I've created a special gift just for you. It's my free mini training, Podcasting with Purpose, where you'll learn what you need to do to stand out, be heard, and influence your audience from your very first podcast. I'm also giving you my step-by-step podcast production workflow checklist, including the tools I use, as well as a checklist of no-cost and low-cost tools to get you started. To access, go to annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. That's annemariecross.com forward slash mini training.